If you have more cash on the sidelines, you have less equities to actually protect and therefore less demand for those equity hedges. Canada's annual inflation rate cooled to 3.4% in May. Still further, monetary tightening is widely expected. On today's episode, Portfolio Managers Matt Montemiro, Chris McKinney, and your host Mackenzie Box dig deeper into the data. They also discuss offsetting rising food costs, the Competition Bureau's study into retail grocers, corporate bonds, and swings in the volatility index. Before we hear from the team, please consider subscribing to Views from the Desk on your preferred podcast platform. And for many more ETF insights and resources, visit BMOETFs.com. Hello, and welcome back to our BMO ETFs Weekly Insights Podcast with our team of experts. Thank you to everyone for continuing to tune in and to provide comments and questions each and every week. I am today's host, Mackenzie Box, and product at BMO Global Asset Management. Today, I am joined by Matt Montemiro and Chris McKinney, who are both portfolio managers on our ETF desk. Special thank you to both Matt and Chris for joining me today. Good morning, Mackenzie. Morning. All right, well, let's dive in. Before we head into the Canada Day long weekend, we had Canada's May CPI print. It was in line with expectations, with year-over-year inflation cooling considerably. Can you walk us through your thoughts on the print and what it might tell us about the Bank of Canada's next move? Matt, we'll pass that one over to you. Yeah, absolutely, Mackenzie. And I think just the headline number, I think, excited a lot of people. But, you know, I think it's important not to be fooled by by such a sharp drop off in that headline inflation rate. You know, underlying consumer price growth is still running at a, a pretty heady pace in Canada. The 12 month rate of total inflation declined from 4.4 to 3.4. So, you know, that is that is a quite a meaningful drop month over month. Um, but if you actually look into the numbers, you know, current energy prices are now being compared to the peaks that we saw in 2022 in the annual calculation. So really, it's part of a, of a calculation, and, in, and it is because last uh, May, we saw peaks in energy. So that's why we're seeing such a drop from that year-over-year number. If you look uh, further, food prices were once again the driving factor in higher prices in May. Energy prices took a little bit of a breather uh, after a couple months of gains. You know, I think we all see that the, at the grocery store, you know, food prices are, are don't seem to be slowing down. And that is definitely a concern to everyday Canadians. If you exclude food and energy, you know, the deceleration in year over year inflation looked to be a little bit more modest. So, you know, a little bit less than that 1% headline number we saw. The uh, 12-month rate of change in the core index went from 4.4 to 4%. So again, in the right direction, but maybe not as drastic or or exciting as that headline number looks. I think if we look forward, I think further progress could be hard to come by. I think we're getting into the very sticky, stubborn inflation. We're definitely seeing uh, a little bit of challenge in terms of really pushing inflation further down in terms of these core measures. If uh, the underlying trend continues, you know, the 12-month rate of change in, in the, you know, excluding food and energy inflation, that core, it would, it would settle around 35 to 4%. So if that's true, and then we're seeing kind of that end of year number, 35 to 4%, that 12-month 12, 12 rate of change, 
that does include mortgage interest costs, which have been surging as a, re, uh, as a result of the bank central rates. So kind of interesting here because we're seeing that that core number at three and a half to four percent. Um, part of that is actually fueled by the Bank of Canada, you know, contributing to higher inflation in its attempt to combat and cool inflation. So it's a little bit of a circular reference there. You know, it's not a major part of the, the overall number, but definitely something to consider that, you know, a part of inflation is actually the mortgage interest costs that that are continually being fueled by by this Bank of Canada hiking cycle. All in all, I think it is a is a positive number for markets, but not as positive as I think it initially showed. I think it is showing that we are making progress, but if you look at that core number, it's not making you know significant progress. And with not making that significant progress, you know we're still seeing inflation running above three and a half percent. You know, the market still continues to price in the expectation of about a 57% chance of another 25 basis point hike in July. So, you know, June's hike happened. And I think when June's hike happened, there was a lot of expectation that, okay, if they went in June, they're probably going to go in July too. Uh, and then we'll, we'll see from there. So, you know, I think the sticky inflation data does build a strong case for further monetary tightening. You know, hopefully, I think, uh, I think a lot of us are hoping that it is only one, one hike uh, in terms of that 25 basis point. So I think the market's expecting uh, another hike in July. I think right now, if you actually saw yesterday's CPI print, market reacted very minimally. It was in line with expectations. Nothing really surprised on the on the upside or downside. Uh, if anything, the the lack of surprise was that the market was kind of expecting that they were going to hike again in in July, and that there would be more work uh, to be done. So, if you look at that, you know that would bring us to. A five percent overnight rate, and and I think at that point the Bank of Canada would would look to pause again and kind of wait and see how data continues. I think they wanted to be forceful if they were going to hike again, and they they've done so, and they want to continue to give time for you know those additional hikes now at five percent overnight rate to kind of flow through the the system. So, you know, what do I expect from markets going forward? I see short term rates uh, to be the most impacted by a hike. In July, I think we saw a little bit of this in in uh, June. You know, as uh, as the overnight rate hiked, you know, long term rates stayed pretty firm, and I think that's telling us that the market's kind of priced in that long term rate around let's call it around three twenty five right now, and uh, and and short term rates are going to be more impacted by by these uh, by these hikes, and so we're seeing a further steepening of the curve. We're going to see a further impact of kind of short-term and medium-term impacts of these higher interest rates throughout the economy. Uh, so, you know, if I was looking to position myself, I still I would look to add ZST, so the BMO Ultra Short-Term Bond ETF to my portfolio. You know, right now you'd be grabbing a 5.36% yield. That would start to creep up as you saw rates hike. Uh, you know, you're getting very little duration risk, and really, you're you're just really 
clipping that that higher yield in the short end, taking advantage of that inverted yield curve. Uh, you know, again, I think credit is is an excellent place to be. It's a sweet spot, and you're getting investment grade credit and a significantly high yield to take very little interest rate risk. You know, I think it's an excellent complement to the core exposure like Zags or BMO aggregate bond index ETF. You know, that gives you a little bit of longer exposure. So that gives you a little bit of duration that you may want. And you know, over overweighting, you know, your short credit positioning, I think given uh, the expectation of, of a potential another rate hike, I think that that would be a, an excellent way to position your portfolio for the short term over the next three to six months. If the Bank of Canada does continue to pause and, and keep the overnight rate at that potential 5% uh, clip for longer. Great. Thanks, Matt. Not all cash equivalents are created equal, and BMO's Money Market and Ultra Short Term Bond ETFs offer several high quality options to park client cash. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZMMK, ZST, and ZUS. Next, we'll move to you, Chris. And you kind of touched on it briefly, Matt, but in the news, we hear a lot about the inflation and the impact on the grocery industry. And part of the Competition Bureau has found that the grocery industry is highly concentrated. Given the rising cost of food, what are some of the ways that investors can offset these costs by investing? Sure, yeah. And uh, as you mentioned, the Competition Bureau did do a study of uh, the food industry here in Canada, that was precipitated by, you know, a lot of the higher food costs we've seen over the last couple of years. Um, you know, they wanted to do a review of the industry to see, you know, there's been allegations of price fixing or price gouging uh, and things like that. And there there is a price fixing contest that's going on as well related to the bread industry specifically. So there's been a little bit of mistrust of uh, the groceries, uh, the grocers here in Canada. And so I think the Competition Bureau felt it necessary to do that review. Um, And of course, that main uh, result was that they did find uh, that the industry is highly concentrated amongst a few companies. Um, and it would benefit from some competition. Uh, I think that result really comes as no surprise to most Canadians. I think most uh, people know there's really three major grocers here in Canada, Loblaw, Sobeys, and Metro. And if you don't shop at one of those three grocery stores, you probably shop at one that's owned by one of those three. Um, you know, combined, they they recently, uh, their most recent results, they brought in $100 billion in sales and about $3.6 billion in profit. So, again, a lot of eyeballs on that and just making sure that everything is on the up and up, so to speak, from that industry. Outside of those three major grocers here in Canada, the only real foreign operators that we see here are Walmart and Costco. Um, and so, again, you know, if you're not shopping at one of those big three or 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 stores that are owned by them, you're probably shopping at Costco or Walmart and again, two other very large um, companies. And and that really makes up the entire food industry here in Canada. So, um, you know, really the results were, again, the industry is concentrated, could use some competition. However, um, there wasn't really any findings that thought there were, there was price gouging or anything like that going on over the last couple of years. I mentioned that 3.6 billion in profit, which was a record, but a lot of that is just led by higher prices overall. The Competition Bureau found that those main grocers have added 
maybe one to two percentage points to their margins. Um, and that's over the last number of years, and that actually predates COVID. So over that last, call it five years or so, as the industry has become more concentrated, uh, there's been a little bit of increase in those margins, uh, but nothing to indicate uh, significant price gouging or anything like that. Most notably as well, Matt talked about inflation a little bit. The latest number on food inflation specifically in May was at 9%. So this is something that is still pretty sticky um, and is contributing to that sort of sticky inflation that Matt's been talking about where it's come down a little bit, but um, we haven't seen um, the full effects of interest rate hikes and, and, and dampening demand. And so some levels of inflation still pretty sticky. In terms of how investors can, can approach this space, um, you know, we've recently launched the BMO Global Agriculture ETF, ticker is ZEAT, and that invests in global agriculture companies. It is highly U.S. focused, uh, but it is a global exposure and, and any large companies that are non-North uh, American uh, are, are able to make it into the portfolio as well. And so this is a portfolio that invests in companies that are involved in the production side of the food supply chain. And so, you know, again, as this becomes more and more important to um, prices that consumers are paying, investors can, uh, I would say, you know, maybe hedge a little bit of that inflation exposure through something like ZEAT. Uh, it's also worth noting that a lot of the global companies that are that are in this portfolio are heavily investing in newer technologies to harvest food, and that has the potential at least to massively boost productivity, and therefore that margin expansion could continue to happen potentially uh, without prices rising further. And so that's part of the screening that goes into this portfolio as well. Of course, there's size and liquidity screens. Um, in order to get the largest companies that are that are involved in the food sector. But there's another additional screen that, that, that does screen on that earnings margin. And so for companies that are able to pass on, you know, higher costs um, and not have those margins compressed, those are the type of companies that are going to make it into this portfolio. So that's not to say uh, margins are necessarily expanding, but it's, it's uh, exposed to companies that are able or most able to pass on some of those rising costs as well. And so again, um, you know, that food inflation really is coming from all levels. There's not too, too much, at least what the Competition Bureau has found, not too, too much being added uh, necessarily um, unduly to the grocers that, uh, that sell to the, to the public. But also, you know, the, the one other thing that the pandemic has done is reorganize how consumers shop, even for food and even for groceries. You know, there's a lot more online shopping. And, you know, that's really viewed as one potential area where prices could potentially come down. Uh, through more competition, but it was actually noted as part of this uh, competition bureau report that uh, foreign and international grocers actually find it hard to come into Canada because pricing is already so competitive. And so I think Canadians uh, as consumers can, uh, you know, maybe take a little bit of breath there and, and, and understand that while we are seeing higher prices in the stores, it's not necessarily all going to the bottom line of, of these major grocers that, that we shop at. So um, again, it's it's something that's going to stick around or potentially stick around. And so as a nice, um, you know, hedge against that inflation or potentially sticky inflation, you know, there's various ways to do it. Um, we see ZEAT as one of those potential solutions to have a hedge against higher inflation uh, that could potentially stick around for the longer term. Great. Thanks, Chris. 
Uh, Matt, we'll pass it back to you. Since the start of June, we have seen the long corporates outperform the broad market. And at the same time, we've seen volatility in part of the uh, in the long part of the market fall. Why is this? And do you think there could be a trend or a reversion to the mean? Yeah, Mackenzie, I think I, I alluded to, to some of this in, in the first question. And, and we're definitely starting to see the market push back on some of the increases uh, in rates in the long, longer term. You know, we're seeing continued uh, hikes in the short term, but I think the market is starting to see the longer term as being range bound and, and not having such uh, much higher expectations for, for longer term rates. You know, the Bank of Canada does continue to hike. We saw it in June. We saw possibly, uh, you know, that, that 57% chance of a hike now getting priced in for July. You know, we, we expect, you know, with those hikes, you're going to see short term rates react and react quickly. Um, but I do think long-term rates seem to have found a resistance level. And I think that's why we're starting to see volatility uh, come down. And, and you saw long, uh, long corporates be the best uh, performer uh, basically since the end of May. You know, I think we, if you look, you're getting a further uh, curb in, uh, curve inversion. You know, the, the market is clearly pricing in that they don't see longer term rates rising beyond this kind of like three to three and a half percent range. So if that's the case uh, and we're starting to see investors position themselves accordingly to, to start to add duration. So if, if, if there is a thought that longer term rates have potentially peaked and that any new hikes, uh, you know, for the next two are going to be focused on the short term, then definitely adding duration could be an opportunity for investors. You know, on one hand, this would provide that protection. If we do a see, if we do see an equity market sell-off, you know, that further curve inversion, you know, the the it's gonna take 12 to 18 months to 24 months for all of these you know, consecutive rate hikes to make their way through the system. We do think that the economy will will start to meaningfully slow down as we move into the fall. And as we start to see that, you know, that long duration, you know, being range bound, getting in now, that should prevent, uh, so that should provide uh, an offset for some of that volatility, provide you a ballast in those type of markets. You know, that being said, on the other hand, you know, if long term rates are range bound, you know, we don't see much downside or risk in further uh, longer term rates rising. So, you know, I think with the next two or the next hike in July, you know, beyond that, if if the expectation is that we are paused, I think, you know, that three to three fifty range for longer term rates seems to be sticky there. Uh, and I think a, a little bit of a resistance level. So there could be opportunity right now to to take advantage of and, and, and start to add um, duration to portfolios. So we're starting to see investors do that both both in uh, ZLC, our, our BMO long corporate bond ETF, even ZFL continues to see flows. So ZFL is our BMO long federal bond ETF. That's one of the, the um, Fastest growing ETFs year to date, almost three billion in size at this point. A lot of investors are looking to use use those to add duration to the portfolio. So I think we're going to continue to see this trend uh, into the fall as investors add duration. I think it's going to be it, it's a slow drip. I don't think it's going to be these massive allocations. It's going to be adding duration slowly 
and, and meaningfully as uh, as the as investors see opportunities. Um, specifically on ZLC, you know, corporate spreads do continue to sit wider than historical levels. You know, so here I do think that there is uh, opportunity in in long corporates to both add duration and add credit at uh, at kind of a discounted discounted levels in at, at attractive credit spread levels here. So, you know, I think right now putting putting something like ZLC in your portfolio, I, I do think that could be well positioned to to outperform. You know, it's not going to be a core allocation, but I do think it complements uh, your core ZAG, so that you know BMO aggregate bond, and also a complement to something like ZST, like I said in the first answer, in in a little bit of a corporate barbell strategy there. Great. Thanks, Matt. Amid high interest rates and market volatility, consider BMO's top three ETFs yielding over 6%. The BMO Covered Call Utilities ETF, ticker ZWU, provides exposure to an equal weight portfolio of utilities, telecoms, and pipeline companies. The BMO Covered Call Canadian Banks ETF, ticker ZWB, invests solely in Canadian financials presenting an attractive valuation opportunity. And the BMO Canadian High Dividend Covered Call ETF, ticker ZWC, features solid historical dividend growth. To learn more, visit BMOETFs.com and search for tickers ZWU, ZWB, and ZWC. Chris, we'll switch back to you for the last question. Uh, Since the S&P 500 peaked on June 16th, the index has come down approximately 2.4%. At the same time, we've seen the VIX index, or the implied volatility, continue to drop. Typically, when the equity market sells off, we see the VIX index rise or vice versa. What is leading to this anomaly and what is the impact for BMO's suite of covered call ETFs? Yeah, thanks, Mackenzie. That's uh, that's a good question. Um, as you said, you know, the correlation between volatility and equities usually is negative. Um, that means when the equity market goes down, that's when we see volatility generally rise and vice versa as the equity market goes up, that's usually associated with lower volatility environments. So this is a little bit of anomaly we've been seeing over the last, call it week or so, two weeks. Um, and it's generally something that doesn't last for a long period of time. Um, but as for, you know, what's causing it this time, you know, there's probably a couple of different Uh, reasons behind that. First of all, we're actually coming from a very high vol uh, period, right? Um, You know, before COVID, that VIX index was, you know, in quote unquote, normal market environments, typically between 12 and 15 is the measure you would see uh, on the VIX level. Now, after COVID, we saw a huge spike um, up to record levels, and it's come back down since then. But over the last three years, we have not seen the VIX actually get back below 15 until uh, here in June. So it's really been a three-year period where that implied volatility, that VIX index, has been elevated. And so, you know, there could be some of that just starting to work its way out of the system, um, coming back into a more normalized range for Uh, for expected volatility. Also, there could be, um, you know, less demand for hedging right now. You know, really what drives 
that VIX index to higher levels is investor demand for hedges. You know, buying those downside puts in order to protect a portfolio in the case of a market sell-off. And so this is telling us that investors are a little bit more complacent. They're either more complacent um, and, and not demanding as much hedges, or there could be a little bit more cash on the sidelines than usual. And so if you have more cash on the sidelines, you have less equities to actually protect and therefore, you know, less demand for those equity hedges. So there's a little bit of that going on as well. There could be a seasonality factor also. Generally, the summer months tend to be lower volatility. There's just less going on, less market participants, lower volumes in general in the equity market. And so typically, um, from a seasonality perspective, July and August do tend to have lower uh, volatility than some of the other months. And then maybe related to um, you know, coming back to more normalized volatility levels is that we're hopefully um, close to the end of interest rate hikes. Um, you know, Matt talked about potential for for further increases, um, but we we think that um, you know there could be one or two more hikes uh, in in each of the Bank of Canada or the Federal Reserve. Um, but really, you know, combined with all the hikes that have already happened, we're closer to the end of the road than we are at the beginning. And again, Matt referred to longer rates staying stable, and that's a market indication that, um, you know, we are pretty close to the end of the interest rate hiking cycle. And so that generally will bring volatility down as well, because there's a little bit less uncertainty as to where interest rates are going to go. So a lot of different factors potentially at play here, bringing this volatility back down to, let's call it more average levels. As for the impact on BMO's suite of covered call ETFs or, or, or any covered call or volatility or option related mandate, um, volatility is one of the main drivers of pricing of, of call options. And so as volatility comes down, pricing of those options comes down as well. And so that means you can earn a little less income by selling those covered calls than maybe you would in the past. Um, and in fact, some investors might have seen that we have reduced uh, the distribution rate on a couple of our ETFs here and there specific, uh, uh, specifically uh, where we think we're gonna start earning a little bit less premium from those call options. Now, I think the main thing to, to point out there is that the policy we have with our covered call ETFs and indeed with all of our um, ETFs that pay that regular distribution is that we only want to pay out what we earn. We don't want to grind down the nav um, and just have a, a, an artificially higher uh, distribution rate than what the fund is actually earning. And so in light of that, uh, because we are again coming out of this um, period where volatility has been high for really three years, if you've been an investor in some of these covered call ETFs, you've probably seen that distribution rate go up over the last few years. Um, and, and again, in the case of a few of them, we're bringing that a little bit down uh, slightly just in recognition of the fact that volatility is coming back to more normalized levels. Now, that's not to say it can't spike up again. And generally, when volatility goes up, it does go up quickly. Um, and that could be the result of, of any number of things, you know, whether that's a, a a surprise interest rate hike or surprise print on inflation or CPI or, or, or some other sort of um, economic indicator. And so, again, we don't know, of course, what's going to cause the next spike in volatility, but um, that's generally what investors are looking for when they are invested in covered calls. They want that regular income. Um, they don't necessarily want the volatility because uh, covered calls are equity-based investments. You want the equity to go up as well. But when that volatility does strike and it does get higher, 
uh, those covered call funds are able to monetize that through the form of higher option premiums um, and therefore higher distributions. So um, that's kind of what we're seeing in the market right now. Uh, volatility coming down, but more normalized levels um, you know, over the long term, uh, not necessarily super low volatility environment, but again, we're, we're probably in a more normalized environment now than we have been over the last number of years. And generally, that'll be good for equity investors overall. Uh, again, that, that, that's a sign that uh, investors are a little bit more complacent in terms of, um, you know, expectations for, for further day-to-day uh, -day movements in the equity market. Great. Thanks, Chris. Those are all the questions that we have for this week. So I want to thank everyone for listening in and a special thank you to both Matt and Chris for providing some great insights. And with that, I will wish everyone a great day and we'll see you next week. Thank you to Mackenzie Box, Matt Montemuro, and Chris McKinney for joining us on the BMO ETFs podcast. Today, we heard about the BMO Ultra Short-Term Bond ETF, ticker ZST, which invests in a diversified portfolio of federal, provincial, and corporate bonds. Our experts also discussed climbing grocery prices. The BMO Global Agriculture ETF, ticker ZEAT, can serve as a food inflation hedge as it provides exposure to companies that are directly involved in the food production and distribution process. For more information about the ETFs discussed in this podcast, check out the episode notes, contact your regional BMO ETF specialist, or visit the ETF Center at BMOETFs.com. That's BMOETFs.com. Views from the Desk has been brought to you by BMO Global Asset Management. The viewpoints expressed by the portfolio managers represent their assessment of the markets at the time of publication. Those views are subject to change without notice at any time without any kind of notice. The information contained herein is not and should not be construed as investment, tax, or legal advice to any party. Investments should be evaluated relative to the individual's investment objectives, and professional advice should be obtained with respect to any circumstance. Any statement that necessarily depends on future events may be a forward-looking statement. Forward-looking statements are not guarantees of performance. Commissions, management fees, and expenses, if any, all may be associated with investments in exchange-traded funds. Please read the ETF facts or prospectus before investing. Exchange-traded funds are not guaranteed. Their values change frequently and past performance may not be repeated. BMO Global Asset Management is a brand name under which BMO Asset Management Inc. and BMO Investments Inc. operate.